And that music can only mean one thing. The Delaware Valley Journal is on the air. The official podcast of Bucks, Chester, Delaware, and Montgomery Counties. I'm Michael Graham with Inside Sources. Fresh back from her looting spree where she snagged two lovely handbags and a pair of pumps, our very own Linda Stein. Linda, how are you? Oh, great, Michael. (laughs) Looting spree. (laughs) So I hope you had a good night. I hope you were able to clean up. I know you wanted to get something nice for your husband. That's it's good, right? It's it's open season, right? You run in, grab what you want. That seems to be the the way shopping works in the uh, greater Philadelphia area. I've heard in Philadelphia itself, if uh, you take less than a thousand dollars, they won't prosecute you. Well, I know Linda Stein; she would never take anything worth less than a thousand dollars. She has standards. Uh, hey, before we get to our guest, what were the uh, uh, the folks in Bucks County talking about at the end of last week when it comes to rioting? Um, well, they're not thrilled with it, and uh... <laughs> well, wait, wait, I will be perfectly clear here. <laughs> The elected officials are anti-rioting. Are we okay on that? Yes. And, and well, you know, you say that you to, laugh, you to, laugh at me, but remember, a, remember the, okay. I have to interrupt you because you know, I'm, I'm that guy. Um, remember you can laugh about being anti-rioting, but the Philadelphia Inquirer had a piece uh, over the weekend that was quoted in your piece about uh, this, these legislative proposals where this columnist wrote that, Hey, you know, who, who, who am I to judge? You know, what did she, she quoted Martin Luther King Jr. That rioting is the voice of the unheard and yes. said that, uh, um, you know, that she understood their pain. And I was like, wow, that's pretty, uh, pretty aggressive out there. Well, except if you're a small business owner, then what do you right. do? So what specifically were the uh, state reps and senators out in Bucks County? What were they talking about? Um, they were talking about imposing stricter fines on on the rioters um, and the looters um, so that the, they're stiffening the charges for rioting, um, whereas you could basically you could basically uh, pretty much get away with it, uh, like in the George Floyd riots, where there was a, ah, right. a pretty much wholesale um forgiveness for the people that did that except the ones bill mcswain prosecuted (laughs) but (laughs) but otherwise uh so so they are they are looking to um pass some a state law uh to make sure that rioters uh have some consequences if if they're convicted well we'll see how that uh, goes and i predict that it's going to be uh an issue along with public safety at large and, uh, you know, fighting crime, et cetera, in all of the upcoming races. Is that fair to say? I would guess so. Well, one of the people who's going to be involved in those races is Ryan Hyde. He's running for Chester County District Attorney, and he joins us here on the Delaware Valley Journal podcast. Ryan, welcome. Welcome. Or nice, to, nice to talk to you. So what's the nicest thing you picked up during a riot? Anything good, like flat panel TV, anything like that? What's funny is I had friends on the West Coast and uh, they told me, uh, asked me if I was going out shopping this afternoon in Philadelphia. <laughs> and I'm like, why? What's happening? Did the Phillies win or did uh, that trial come back? <laughs> we make the national news on a regular basis. So let me ask you, before I turn you over to Linda, so you could argue that, well, hey, that's a Philly problem. A lot of people say that if you look at 
uh, at uh, significant crime around the country. It's very centered, not just in cities, but like even in you know n uh, neighborhoods inside cities. I heard a uh, interesting conversation from the Manhattan Institute, which covers crime, that says you know, they, they were marking down just how what a tiny slice of the communities around the country where overwhelmingly you know crime and particularly gun crime is found so sitting out in chester county why should chester residents worry about what's happening in the city and then my second question for you ryan is when you're out campaigning are they worried about what they see i think there's a very two very good questions i think the the issue that we are not philadelphia yet is what i like to say to people chester county is still a very safe county but that's changing um, you're starting to see some of that urban crime creep out. Um, there's a lot of crime that's committed by people from out of county coming in. Uh, you're seeing a lot more organized theft. Uh, you're seeing organized identity theft that are international organizations. And all of that's kind of creeping its way out from the large urban centers, uh, specifically Wilmington and Philadelphia. So the, the idea is, have we lost control yet? And no, we haven't. But if we don't start changing some of the things that we're doing, we will. We'll become Delaware County where they have an explosive crime mm -hmm. problem. Um, you know, Bucks County is constantly fighting to keep that wall. Um, it's a poor term, but that's really what it is, is you're trying to keep that Philadelphia crime from attacking um, the smaller, more rural counties. Um, you're seeing upticks in crime in Montgomery County. And it's just because the, the Philadelphia system has gotten so bad, there's no accountability that that's starting to spread out um, with younger people committing crimes. Um, and that goes to your second question, do people feel it yet? And, and I think Cavalcante, uh, when he escaped, I think it opened a lot of people's eyes to how things have really changed in Chester County in the last 10 years. Um, a lot of people called me up and say, you know, I've never locked my doors on my car or anything like that. I mean, I've had my car broken into twice in the last five years. Um, identity theft is, you know, at an all time high, like people have to be more aware of their surroundings than they were. And I think they're starting to become aware of that. And I think that's why you're seeing these town hall meetings with several hundred people showing up because they're trying to figure out what the county is trying to do to fix these problems. Well, uh, so if you were DA, what would you do? I think a lot there's been a lot of literature written about um, community prosecution and things along those lines. And I think the vast majority of people that I meet with have never actually met a district attorney. So the only people that really know who the district attorneys are are the criminals because they see them in court and people who are victims of a crime. Um, one of the things I think we have to change is this perception that's, again, been formulated by the big cities uh, where, you know, the police are essentially under siege is we have to work to make sure that never happens in the counties. Um, and a lot of that would be getting prosecutors out into the com community, working with police officers to help them solve these crimes, um, working with people so that they understand that they can trust the district attorney's office, that we're not just sitting in some ivory tower in Westchester legislating over people's lives. Um, I think, secondly, you have to have prosecutors who have, for lack of a better word, seasoning. Um, a lot of a lot of the problems in Chester County right now re are reflected by a lot of turnover. Um, there's a lot of district attorneys that have a year or maybe even two years of experience that are leading courtrooms because they just can't keep people with seniority in there. Um, I had a conversation with somebody a couple of days ago about the idea of a district attorney's office is really just like a football team. You know, there's two ways to build a professional football team. One, 
you build it through a free agency. You know, you go out and sign everybody. And the other way is you draft really good people and you bring them into your system and then you train them the way you want them to be trained. Now, that doesn't mean you don't go out and still get some high flying prosecutors that have great reputations and bring them in to help. But at the same time, you have to have that that base, that bottom, you know, the kids coming out of law school that want to work for you. Um, and then you have to make it a place that they want to work. And I think those are the big changes that we need in Chester County. Well, um, you had mentioned uh, a minute ago the escapee uh, Danilo Cavalcante. Mm -hmm. um, would you have sought the death penalty if you were prosecuting him? He, he um, had killed somebody very heinously, stabbing her, I think it was 28 times right in front of her children. Um, and I don't know if um, that would qualify for the death penalty or not. What do you think? Well, in my mind, it certainly does. Um, the, the, the hardest part about, and, and again, I, I, since the Eagles won yesterday, I'm going to do a lot of football, um, uh, analogies. So I'll apologize that, but it's the idea of the Monday morning quarterback. Like, I don't know everything that the prosecutors knew about that case. Like I obviously haven't seen the file, but what I would say is this based on the facts, as you just described them. Yeah. I mean, I do believe that's something that should have been given a great deal of consideration. I think to be an effective prosecutor, you have to use all of the tools available to you. Um, you know, and, and that's it's simply saying we're not ever going to call for the death penalty. That's that's not using all the tools. Um, Chester County has seen a number of homicides this year, that being the most gruesome of them. Uh, but there was another um, essentially an execution where somebody shot somebody in the back of the head. I mean, a lot of these crimes that we're going for first degree murder on it, we should at least be giving more than lip service to using the death penalty, um, even though the governor still has a moratorium on it. I tell you, wait, that. wait, 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 wait. I got I to interrupt. I got to interrupt. Are you saying are you using the Philadelphia Eagles performance on Sunday as a launching point? Ryan? I mean, my they they almost lost to the stinking commanders for crying out loud. A win is a win is a win. And you know what? Going for the points with a minute and 46 seconds left may not have been the smartest thing, but they you won. think. <laughs> well, I want to ask you about that. It's now that I've interrupted poor Linda and hang on a second. I just want to you're talking about, you know, uh, the death penalty and and. and uh, the argument uh, there's an argument about where where does severity in the pursuit of you know criminals and punishment go too far become counterproductive even for the community one area that people say is a problem is uh you can't put everyone in jail for gun crimes because if you put everyone in jail for for example a person who's out of jail who should not be in possession of a handgun it's a prima facie violation as soon as they're caught with a handgun. Well, if you did that, then you'd have a disproportionate number of black members of the community, particularly young black men. And that would be counterproductive to, you know, kind of the kind of culture and society people are trying to create. That's one of the primary arguments against actually enforcing gun laws. And that's one reason why, uh, despite what you hear from uh, from D.A. Krasner, they the cops and the prosecutors work all you know around the clock to try to avoid being in a position where they have to charge someone with uh, illegal gun possession. What is your take on that strategy? And what do you say to people who say, look, you know, we, we don't want to see such a high percentage of young black men behind bars, whatever the cause? Well, I, I, I that's a big question. And, and, and the reason it's a big question is because I don't necessarily agree with the policy of decarcerating those people. Um, there's a reason that certain people aren't allowed to possess firearms, and that's because of the severity of their prior crimes. Um, I think there's a there's a, certainly a mindset that 
if you're a person who's committed a robbery before or committed a violent assault before, you shouldn't be entitled to have a deadly weapon. Now, you know, people are going to come back, well, with knives are deadly weapons, cars are deadly weapons. But I think it's hard to dispute the fact that firearms um, can cause a lot more destruction in a short period of time. Now, is there there certainly is with the legalization of marijuana. I think there is an over sense of prosecution for certain crimes involving firearms, like merely possessing a firearm after having a marijuana conviction. I'm not sure that that's appropriate. Um, at the end of the day, though, if you've committed a violent crime in your past, uh, I think you absolutely should be prosecuted for carrying a firearm. And I think if you see in Philadelphia, or you see in Philadelphia, the statistics really bear that out, that decarceration of violent people isn't working. Um, at least two or three cases I've read of in the last year where there was uh, either a murder or an ag assault or a carjacking of a person who had been released after either being on bail um, or, as you said, like having had a preliminary hearing, they weren't in custody and they committed more crimes. Um, well, Ryan, do you agree with diversionary programs for like first time nonviolent offenders to yes. keep to keep you do? And I think we need to do more of that. I think Tom Hogan was a prior district attorney in Chester County, and he wrote a really good article about targeting the one percent of violent criminals who cause a lot of this crime. Um, yes. You know, there's a difference between uh, a kid you know, smoking a joint in a park after hours than a guy who's moving mount, amounts of uh, meth or heroin into the county. Like there's definitely levels of, of cr criminality that we have to address. I mean, we can't simply say everybody charged with a crime needs to go to jail. That doesn't make any sense. Um, and there's a fairly, there's a lot of scholarship on the idea that diversionary programs can really help people and really get them out of the system and really get them back on track. So do I believe that a person carrying a firearm necessarily should be in a diversion program? I guess you always have to say it depends on the circumstances. Um, you know, again, I, I've had numerous, I'm a defense attorney now, so I've had a lot of these types of cases on the other side where it was simply a mistake uh, or they weren't really convicted or there was confusion about the form. Like there's a lot of talk about the constitutionality of these types of charges. But I think the one thing that really rings true is if you've already been convicted of a violent crime, you've lost your right to possess firearm. Um, and I think those are the hardened type criminals that you're seeing that are, you know, involved in drug violence, involved in shootings. Now, Chester County is not at all like Philadelphia. I mean, we haven't we haven't lost the ability to control our citizens and not control. That's the wrong word. But we haven't lost the ability to control crime yet um, th there. I think it's it's pretty much open season. And, you know, it's a different question in Philadelphia than it would be in Chester County. Do I believe in Chester County, a person convicted of a violent crime or a crime of domestic violence should be able to carry a firearm? No, I do not. Um, Ryan, on your campaign website, you mentioned transparency, mm -hmm. but um, it doesn't seem like the DA's office really lends itself to that. What do you mean transparency? Well, I think the mark of good government is the ability to ask questions and get answers. Um, when you say the DA's office doesn't lend itself to transparency, I don't necessarily believe that's true. I mean, we should be honest with the community about what we're doing, um, and we should be explaining things to them. I think um, I read articles from the current district attorney all the time that doesn't mention who actually prosecuted the cases until the very last line. So, you know, you, you get one side of the story. I don't think a lot of people know about, you mentioned diversionary programs. Um, there's statistics and things that we can tell the community to show them how we're doing better. Um, and I think this whole thing with Cavalcante and the escapee, it's uh, the idea is I don't think the public knows what's going on. And I think if if they did, it would change their opinions on a lot of things. But 
I, as a prosecutor back in when I was a prosecutor in Bucks County, like the idea was always the best types of legislation are the types of legislation that they shed sunlight on problems. Um, and that's I think transparency is very important from every government agency. Um, so, Ryan, why would you be a better DA than your Democratic opponent? Because I've represented people. I mean, for the last 10 years, I've been in Westchester. Like, I've been on the street. I've been representing people. I've represented every, everything from people with speeding tickets to people with homicides. Um, and I understand that the business that we're in, and I know this sounds trite and cliched, but it's a people business. Um, as a prosecutor, you have the ability to destroy somebody's life. But you also have the ability to help victims. So it's really a balancing test. Um, and I think why I would be better is because I've been on both sides of the equation. Um, I was a prosecutor for five years. Um, I did pro uh, high value criminal cases involving financial fraud, financial theft, identity theft. Uh, and then for the last 10 years, like I said, I've been working on the other side. I think the second part of that is the last 10 years, I've been working with this district attorney's office, um, ha handled hundreds of cases. So I see where there's issues. Um, I see where we can fix things quickly. Uh, my opponent has not been local. Um, in fact, I'm not sure that he's ever actually represented a client. I'm not sure what kind of work he's doing now, but the idea is to actually try a case with a person who's been charged with a crime. Uh, it opens your eyes to a lot of things. And it really opens your eyes again to how things can be done better like how we can smooth the process. Um, I have a seven practice. I've been at least seven counties. I've seen how other counties are doing things that we should be doing, um, where other counties are ahead of us, where they're doing things that are more cutting edge to try to get ahead of criminals instead of always trying to get the clean up the mess afterwards. So what's an example of something that another county is doing that uh, Chester County isn't? Well, I think that the idea of, of community prosecution. Um, I know there was one local locality that had an extremely high murder and assault rate uh, and they opened up a satellite office for the DA's office there. Um, so they had DA's that were working with the police every day. They would go to community events. You know, they would go with the officers. They would do certain, they didn't go to crime scenes, but, you know, right. in some cases they did. Um, they they had them on hand for search warrants. They cleaned up their criminal complaints. Uh, and it really put a, it put a, it slowed down the crime rate by a lot. I mean, I don't want to say it, it more than cut it in half, but I'm pretty sure that's what the numbers reflected. Um, there's DNA techniques that have been are used by other counties where they have private DNA organizations. Now, I know Chester County just signed a contract like that, but I know Bucks has been doing that for 15 years. Um, there's there's um, grant programs um, in terms of going after drug offenders. There's a lot of ideas that we have to explore, things that we can do instead of to be proactive, instead of always, you know, we get a report, we investigate the crime, we prosecute right. the crime. How about we stop the crime? You know, how about we get in front of it so that it can't happen here? How about stacking district attorneys in Exton area where these identity thefts are happening and the stores aren't always cooperative? So we can't always catch the retail theft people, mm -hmm. you know, giving the, the detectives their access to a district attorney so that they can have search warrants done quickly and not have to wait. Um, and, you know, really recruiting to get the best people. I mean, they've lost they've turned over 40 district attorneys in the last four years. That means wow. they basically replaced everybody in the office at least once. Um, and a lot of those people left with making less than two years experience, which means it's not it's not that people don't want to be here. It's just it's a management problem. You know, you're never going to make a ton of money being a district attorney. But at the same time, if you love the job, if you really love you know helping people, you know, people will stick around. And I think that's important to make those changes. And when you say, why would I be better than Chris? I mean, I, I think that's the reality is I've lived this on both sides and I've lived here for the last 10 years. Um, I mean, granted, he's been a federal prosecutor, but he hasn't been here. 
Um, he hasn't seen what's happened here. And I think that's an important differentiation. Well, listen, we really appreciate your time because you've been here on the Delaware Valley Journal podcast, which is right where we wanted you, Ryan Hyde. How can people who are interested in your candidacy uh, get in touch with you? Uh, my website's the easiest way. It's uh, www.ryanhydeforda.com. Uh, we also have a large social media um, presence, again, with around Hyde for Chesco DA. Um, so I'm I'm pretty much everywhere online. So all you got to do is look for me a little bit. But ryanhydeforda.com. Thanks so much for your time. We really appreciate it. My pleasure. Thank you. Thanks, Ryan. Thanks so much for listening to this edition of the Delaware Valley Journal on the air. If you enjoyed the podcast, please share it with your friends, post it on social media. And if you haven't, sign up for our twice a week newsletter so you don't miss any of the terrific content from DelawareValleyJournal.com. Thanks again. I'm your host, Michael Graham.